Narcissism in church. Maybe you've been in a church or a religious organization and you've seen narcissism in church. Some people are like, whoa, like you'd never see narcissism there. Really, well, narcissists are tending to thrive a lot of times in church organizations. They tend to thrive sometimes in religious circles, just like they thrive sometimes in high-octane workplace environments. You see narcissists that thrive a lot in church organizations, and a lot of church organizations are actually pretty narcissistic in nature. A lot of times it's because they have narcissists on the board or they have narcissists leading the church or they have narcissistic pastors. And a lot of times people don't realize that because what they see is a very driven person or a person that is very focused or a person that's leading or visioning the church to a certain direction. But then they normally discount and hide a bunch of things that really kind of go on underneath the surface that you normally wouldn't attribute to narcissism or you wouldn't think that way. But sad to say that there's a lot of abuse that happens in churches and there's a lot of abuse that happens from narcissistic pastors. See, I've been reading a book recently that I've got right here and it's called When Narcissism Comes to Church. It's been a very interesting read. When I first opened it, I thought it was going to be like this like Christian book and all this focus on like Christian stuff. But in reality, it's focusing on narcissism. It's focusing on abuse. And it's focusing on like how that happens in the church. And it's been very fascinating. So one thing that I wanted to share with you is it's talking about NPD and leaders with narcissistic personality disorder. And it quotes a section from a book. So in their helpful book, How to Treat Staff Infection, Resolving Problems in Your Church or Ministry, that Craig and Carolyn Wilford identify six primary characteristics of a narcissistic pastor. Number one, all decision-making centers on them. Have you ever seen that in a church organization where it's supposed to be run by everybody, but the only person that can make a decision in the entire church is the pastor? It doesn't seem like anybody else's opinion is valid or is, is credible. All decision-making centers on them. Number two, impatience or a lack of ability to listen to others. That hits home with a lot of narcissists. That hits home for me. A lot of times I would be interacting with people and I'd just be waiting for them to finish talking so I could say my opinion, so I could say what I thought because my personality is struggling with narcissism. My personality is struggling with that aspect of my opinion is more important than yours. My thought, my worldview, my perspective, my life, everything like that comes from a very, very deep-seated narcissistic background. Number three, delegating without giving proper authority or with too many limits. Remember, narcissists love being in control. So imagine that when you have that in a place of power in like the church aspect of delegating something to somebody, uh, but giving them no control and giving them an aspect of, hey, I want you to run with this, but they have no control. They have no decision-making ability. It still all goes back through the other person. Number four, simple one that matches up, feeling of entitlement where the pastor has a feeling of entitlement to his parishioners or to certain things, to money, to food, to whatever it might be, a feeling of entitlement that stems really deep in narcissism that also a lot of times comes out in a pastor or a teaching environment in a church. Number five, feeling threatened or intimidated by other talented staff. 
Some people have seen this in their church organizations where the pastor has sidelined other people, where the pastor has put other people down, or the pastor has limited other people's ability to teach or preach or engage with others because they felt jealous, because they felt intimidated by another person's ability, by another person's ability to portray whatever they were trying to portray. Number six, needing to be the best and the brightest in the room. You see, when you think of it, if you have a pastor that wants to be the best and the brightest in the room, they probably shouldn't be the pastor because we're all broken people. We're all people that are trying to figure out life one day at a time. Some people are a step farther than others. Some people are a step behind. Some people have the tools. Some people don't have the tools. But in reality, to have someone who thinks that they're the best out of everybody when they're the ones that are supposed to be helping lead everybody to the right conclusion, to the right situation, through the right scenarios, doesn't really portray a loving and gentle shepherd like a lot of pastors want to be. While this list is quite helpful, the book says, I've identified four additional characteristics we'll explore as well. What it talks about is for pastors, four more things. So a total of 10 things here, but four more. says inconsistency and impulsiveness. So inconsistency in how a pastor leads and how a pastor communicates and how a pastor lives out their life in front of their parishioners how they live out their life in front of their staff members of saying like, hey, this is how I live. But then everybody's like, it doesn't match up behind closed doors. It doesn't match up with what we've seen. It doesn't match up from who you say you are to who you actually are in staff meetings or when you're communicating about different situations that you're passionate about, but no one else has a clue what's going on. Impulsiveness goes along with that of being very impulsive of let's do this. We need to do it now. And like putting everybody on edge of like, oh, we have to do all this kind of stuff without really thinking it through or without getting uh, feedback from other people saying like, hey, this is how I think God's leading us or the direction that we should go. All right, so number two, praising and withdrawing. Sound familiar? Very narcissistic. The idea of love bombing and devaluing. You'd be like, that doesn't happen in church. That doesn't happen with a pastor. Yeah, it does. And there's a lot of times it does with staff members, with with deacons, with, with people in the church that they'll praise and then they'll pull back. And that idea of praising and withholding ends up confusing people and ends up making them align to your side, not out of truth, not out of reliance, not out of actually looking at the other person saying, hey, I'm loyal and I want to follow this person. But like, hey, I'm loyal because I'm scared of this person. I'm loyal because I don't know when they're going to stop giving you praise. So praising and withdrawing. Number three, or number three with this list, intimidation of others. Sometimes pastors can be bullies. He wouldn't think that, but you see that in staff meetings. You see that in interactions with other pastors. You see that in interactions across the board with different people that you're like, wait a second. Like when you take a step back and you take labels off different people, like that actually looks like bullying. Intimidation of others. And then the last one it says is faux vulnerability. Okay, so it's the idea of pretending to be vulnerable, of saying a bunch of things about the past or showing how the past has opened them up or they're being vulnerable about everything that's happened in the past. But in reality, they're not actually being vulnerable. They're not being vulnerable with the present. They're not being vulnerable with the things that they're struggling with on a day-to-day basis. Now, it doesn't mean they have to come there and just air out their dirty laundry, 
but it does mean that an aspect of vulnerability is not just like, oh, like I used to do this, but like, hey, I still struggle with this on a day-to-day basis, and this is what I'm doing to try to work on it. So that's what I wanted to throw out there. I'm thinking about doing maybe some more videos about it to try to explain a little bit more in depth. But a lot of people don't realize how much narcissism is in churches. I think there's a big culture in Christianity today, a big culture just in church and religion that doesn't want to admit that narcissism is in there, that doesn't want to admit that there is something there that's off, that there is something there that's weird, that there is something there that's not portraying the love that they say they're trying to portray. And a lot of times it tracks back to narcissism and pastors being narcissistic in how they lead and how they interact and how the staff interacts, of how the deacons or trustees or whoever, of how they interact with other people, and start to realize like, hey, this might not be a driven, purpose-filled person. It might just be a narcissistic person that's using all of this to their own gains or to their own means. Maybe you've dealt with that. Maybe you struggle with that. If you have, I'm curious. Like, Leave a comment down below. Because I'm curious about doing more of these to be able to explain how the book goes more in depth about narcissism in the church. I've experienced it because I've been in the church. I've grown up in the church. I've experienced the narcissistic mentality and I've also exuded that narcissistic mentality myself and still struggle with that. But that's why I'm here. As a self-aware narcissist being on this channel to promote awareness, growth, healing, and change about the topics of narcissism, about the topics of abuse, and about how to encourage other people to get mental health, to work on focusing on the truth and the facts of the situation because that will set you free and that will help you get clear on where you are. If this is you and you've been stuck in a fog, you've been stuck in the fantasy land that the narcissist has put you in through the lies, manipulation, gaslighting, love bombing, and you're not sure what to do and you're not sure how to get out, reach out to me. Click on the link down below, schedule a time with me, would love to be able to talk with you, interact with you, help you get closure, help you break out of a trauma bond, you name it. I'm on here to try to help provide some coaching opportunities, some one-on-ones with people to help them get to the next level and to ultimately help them break free. If that's something you're interested in, please reach out. If you don't follow me on any other social media, I've got Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Would love to have you interact there. Or if you're listening on the podcast, either on Apple or on Spotify, thanks so much. Give us a rating or review just to help spread the awareness, spread the awareness of narcissism and the damaging effects it has on people on a day-to-day basis. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed these episodes. I love interacting with different people. If you're interested, reach out to me sometime through my website, Raw Motivations. Would love to interact with you. Either send us a message there, uh, schedule one-on-one so I can talk to you and try to work with you through whatever whatever you're going through on life. You know, Whether that's a relationship, uh, narcissism, uh, whether that's just life trying to get from one step to the other and trying to figure out how do I break out of this mind fog of what's going on. Would love to talk to you more. We'd love to see you guys reach out and comment and like on different things. We've got Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We'd love to see interactions there. And as you're listening to this, like go ahead and rate us. Give us a couple of ratings just to help promote this message to other people so other people can have positivity in their lives as we're trying to grow, change, and help other people find that awareness as well.